In a world filled with movies, it can be hard to choose just one to watch. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I'm not deciding this. What do you want to watch? I asked first. Come on. What do you want to watch? No. What do you want to watch? What do you want to watch, Patrick? What do you Where even narrowing watch? down a you genre can be a struggle. How about we watch a drama? Too many emotions. Okay, then how about we watch an action film? Too many explosions. I know, I know. Let's watch a horror movie. Uh... Wouldn't it be easier to leave things to chance? Okay, talking isn't getting us anywhere. We need to figure out another way to go. Why don't we just roll some dice to figure out who gets to pick and what genre we do? Whatever. Here we go. Welcome to the Diecast Movie Podcast, where the movie we watch is decided by the roll of a die. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Diecast Movie Podcast. My name is Michaela. I'm joined here with my brother Ben and my dad Steve. And this episode is another movie review. Dad won the dole rot won the die roll and he got to i almost said dole whip okay the dole whip is on the brain getting into my brain well it is disney and i mean it is hot we're 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 doing this at the end of august i can see where a dole whip would be like i just really want a dole whip (laughs) yeah um so dad won the die roll with animation and he picked pete's dragon my favorite disney film of all time now before some people get ahead of themselves. This is the original Peach Dragon from 1977. Yes, 1977. 1977. Not the remake that Disney did that's like the live action CGI one. Though this one is a live action slash animation movie, but we're counting it as animation because one of the main characters is animated um, and there's a lot of animation brought into the movie. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's one of my favorites, and I'm really enjoying it. What's that in my eyes? It's did, dust. Oh. Did someone say Disney movie? I'm, I'm getting the dust. Out. Is that Tracy? Tracy Morris from the Disney Indiana podcast? Yes. Yes, it is. Hi, guys. Hi, Tracy. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, can I join in the coverage you're going to talk about today on the Keep Dragon? We would be delighted to have you. How in the world did you get over here? I didn't know you you and Tinkerbell were on like a a, 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 a first name basis or whatever or, or travel plan. I do a couple favors every once in a while. That is that is just amazing. That really saves a lot of money, you know, traveling. You don't have to take a plane or a train. Just Tinkerbell dust, and you're there. <laughs> yeah. How have you been doing, though, Tracy, on your podcast with Disney Indiana? Uh, we've been doing well. We just passed our 11th year back in July, and we are looking very much towards finally getting back into the parks. Our last Disney visit was in October of 2018. So for us, that's been a long, 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 long time. Yeah, because I think you've had you've had to cancel trips due to various reasons, not just the pandemic. But it seems it's it seems like finally you're going to break through and get there. Yes, yes, and there's lots of new things that we will get to experience for the first time. 
I'm sure we will be presenting extensive trip reports come October of our sh- in the show and November. That sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. And for those that aren't familiar with the Disney Indiana podcast, we have a promo for it. We're going to play right now to give you a little idea of what they do. Uh, sorry for the holdup, folks. There seems to be a slow-moving podcast up ahead, so we're going to have to sit here for a spell. Uh, now, uh, you just remain seated with your headphones on, and we'll be right with you. Darn it. The episode was just getting good. Yep, I never missed this show. Now what are we going to do? Well, we could tell folks about our show, the Disney Indiana Podcast. Well, in our bi-weekly episodes, we discuss books, movies, music, theme parks, video games, and whatever else in the Disneyverse we want to talk about. Playful spooks have interrupted our show. Please remain seated in your mp3 mobile we also like to share audio clips interviews and other surprises along the way if you enjoy all aspects of the mouse come hang out in disney indiana you can find us at www.disneyindiana.com or subscribe to our show within itunes we are also featured on reedy creek radio on live365.com and the disney community of tomorrow at d-cot.com You won't find Disney Indiana on any map. It's a state of mind, or more precisely, a state of heart. Hopefully our podcast won't break down now. Hey, uh, here comes a podcaster. If you would, please exit your MP3 mobile and follow me out of the podcast. Thank you. I always love that trailer for your podcast. (laughs) I actually had forgotten about that one. (laughs) I'm glad you played it. Oh, you're welcome. I guess because you, you're not used to playing it live when when you're doing the recording. You used to Scott, or, or does it Scott or you that puts it in? The, does the editing? I'm the writer. He's the editor for the most part. So I guess you know so we just to... record our yeah we record our segments ahead of time, and he assembles everything. And also, what wasn't in the thing, you also cover all things Marvel since that's Disney related, and um, what I guess Fox shows now. I mean, it's pretty much it keeps expanding. Yeah, we've touched on a couple of Simpsons items. We did an episode where we talked about some of our favorite Simpsons uh, Halloween episodes. But yeah, we, we may be expanding more into the Fox universe as we go. And if there's if anybody has something they'd like us to talk about on the show, they can let us know. Go over to www.disneyindiana.com and you'll see how to get in touch. And also, um, listeners, what they've been covering this whole year, because a lot of times I have a theme for the year that goes through a lot of the episodes, is, if I remember right, rides in Disney World that have been around for 50 years, because it's in its 50th anniversary. Exactly. Yep. We're calling it our 50 nifty years of Walt Disney World, and we're looking at the opening attractions, restaurants, and even stores, possibly. And this episode will be coming out later in September, um, so... What, what thing would you be covering in September to give out people a little taste of what you might be talking about? To be honest, we haven't quite narrowed it down. We've got a couple of possibilities. Uh, we just finished in Fantasyland, so we're looking at moving over towards Tomorrowland. But the tricky thing is Tomorrowland has been updated so much, there's only like two or three opening day elements still left. So it I, is the land of tomorrow. So it's exactly. always moving and it's forward. Exactly what it should be. 
So, listeners, I guess you'll have to tune into their podcast, Disney Indiana. You can follow anywhere you listen to this podcast. You can follow the same type of podcast catchers, and you'll find out what did they pick. It's like suspense. So, Dad, do you want to give a synopsis of the movie before we play the trailer? Sure. Pete's Dragon uh, basically stars a boy named Pete who is in a bad situation. The, the Gogans family um, basically um, paid for him, and they have him at their house to do all their work on the farm. Elliot, the dragon, and this is all taking place, a lot of this is taking place prior to the movie starting, goes there and is basically rescuing Pete to take him away from the farm. And that's where the movie picks up with Pete and Elliot making their escape. And then they travel to Pashamaslati, Pashamakati, Pashamakuku, Pashama. Yeah, I know too. I'm, I don't know why I keep screwing that up, but it's they they, they end up traveling to Passamaquoddy, <laughs> and they get there, and all types of hijinks take place because Elliot is invisible, so people don't see Elliot doing stuff. They only see Pete, and eventually he gets to a lighthouse that's run by Nora and Lampy, um, Helen Reddy and Mickey Rooney, and they take him in. And basically, he ends up, they ask him to stay there. But, unbeknownst to them, another person arrives in town, Dr. Termius, with his pal, Hoagie. And they find out about the dragon. And they want every little piece of that dragon. And they try to do, they try to capture the dragon. The Gogans come to town because they track down Pete. They want Pete. They form an unholy alliance to get Pete and Elliot and what will happen? How will it all turn out? Will Pete be safe? Will Elliot make it through? Will Dr. Termis and the Gogans be happy? Well, watch the movie. It's on Disney Plus, for crying out loud. Or you can get it on DVD or Blu-ray and find out what happens in the end. And we're going to play the trailer for the movie as well. He's back. Walt Disney Productions. Invisible. Impossible. Troublesome, massive mischief. Pete's Dragon. A motion picture full of adventure. And excitement. Beware of the evil Dr. Terminus. And his helper, Hoagie. Hide from the mean. Family of wicked wackos. Share an irresistible secret with Lampy. Celebrate with Nora, a newfound friend. And live it up with the funniest, most lovable dragon alive. Elliot! 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 My dragon! The best pal a boy could ever have. I love you too. Sing. With a wonderful motion picture. Walt Disney Productions. Pete's Dragon. Wow, that's great. 
You're the most wonderful dragon in the whole world. You're never too old to feel young. Pete's Dragon. What a trailer. Yep. So, what? Do, how do we want to start? Well, let me talk about some of the people in the cast. Um, since since Tracy joined us by pixie fairy dust. pixie dust. Well, Tracy, pick a person that you want to talk about first, and uh, or scene, or whatever way you want to work it, Tracy. Well, you know, I always find the villains of the story are the ones who have the most personality. So I'm going to dig a little bit into Jim Dale as Dr. Terminus and his sidekick, Red Buttons, as Hoagie. So they are the, as the um, Wikipedia puts it, an itinerant quack. So he has all sorts of nostrums and tonics and elements that he wants to sell to the good people of Passamaquoddy. Unfortunately, they recognize him from the last time he visited and practically sent him out of town. But he charms them over. He's a very, very charming man. And along the way, he kind of finds out a little bit about Elliot's existence. And to me, I'm, there's a lot of good songs in this movie, but my favorite song is Every Little Piece where he talks about all the different remedies that can be made from dragon bits. So Jim Dale is a comedian and actor. He spent a lot of time on the stage. He's done television work. He's done voice work. In fact, and I'm not sure anyone would be, really recognize his voice from this movie, but if you've listened to any of the American versions of the Harry Potter audiobooks, he's the narrator. In terms of his connection to Disney, since that's not a Disney property, of course, he appeared as the main villain here in Peach Dragon. He also had a small role in or worked in Hot Lead and Cold Feet, which I don't know if you guys are ever planning on covering that, but might be interested in coming back for that. So again, his sidekick is Hoagie and played by the inimitable Red Buttons. And he's got, a, he's the comic relief, even more so than the occasionally bumbling Dr. Terminus. And um, he and Mickey Rooney together, they've got one scene together that is just pure vaudeville almost just they play off each other so well so yeah like i said the the villain is kind of to me the most interesting character in this movie i like lampy you know um, nora is of course a lovely person and a beautiful singer but she's just kind of there she doesn't have a lot to, she kind of just helps propel the plot, plot along, and that's about it. And then, of course, we have the precocious Pete. Yep, and uh, Dr. Termius, uh, Jim Dale, I just I just love his performance. And, of course, every little piece, McCann and I would sing that song every so often to each other 
ever since she saw it as a little girl, you know, so what, like 20 years now, we'll just be, every, <laughs> we'll go every, so, look, we'll just go every little piece, every little piece, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and we're doing the little dance along with it as he and red buttons would do it. It's just, it's just fun. You, you just can't help but love those love and hate them at the same time. It's, 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 it's a typical Disney villain where you, you're laughing at them and you're, and you're, and you're smiling with them, but yet you know they're also the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want him to win. And he does have the mustache to twirl, so he is definitely a mustache-twirling villain. <laughs> oh, yeah. And as for the Harry Potter, I think he's in the Guinness World Guinness Book of World Records for the amount of voices that he is able to perform in those audiobooks, if I remember correctly, at least at the time, for the amount of different people because the books have tons of characters and each one of them he does a different voice for if i remember it he's in the guinness book of world records or at least he was at the time when the books came out very interesting again i'm looking at his at his uh, wikipedia and it does mention that he created he did 134 voices for harry potter and the order of the phoenix and then 146 voices for harry potter and the deathly hallows however as you said his record has been exceeded by another narrator who recorded Game of Thrones. Dang, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, like I said, he could have been broken by then. I, he has been, but Jim Dale, and, and and if you're a Harry Potter fan, just just listen to those audiobooks. It is amazing because those audiobooks were done a lot of them prior to the movies coming out, and how similar a lot of his voices are to the actors that play the roles it is it is sometimes it's almost uncanny and the books preceded the movies until eventually they got they got kind of close together but i mean his work was out there with a lot of the main characters and stuff like that and it's just i don't know because you've listened to both i mean isn't it uncanny how close you came to some of them i think so i don't know i i have all of the harry potter audiobooks on cassette (laughs) Um, and I listen to them periodically, usually like once every couple of years I'll go through and I'll listen to all of them on my cassette player. Um, I try to be gentle with them cause I don't want them to break <laughs> cause you can't get them anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really like it's, it's what was, it was one of my favorite audiobooks growing up was listening to Jim Dale do the Harry Potter ones. And then my other favorite was a, different children's series um i always liked it because i saw peach dragon before i had ever listened to the harry potter books so for me Mm -hmm. listening to them i recognized his voice a little bit um of like oh it's dr terminus it's the doc (laughs) i better listen to these books (laughs) he's turned over a new leaf yeah He finally found some more dragons. Dragons, 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 dragons. <laughs> oh, true. That that is true. I never. I just it just hit me too. It's like yeah, he finally got his dragons. <laughs> he finally set up his dragon ranch and started recording some books. Yep. <laughs> money, money, money by the pound. Yeah, I have to say one of my favorite scenes in peach dragon is towards the beginning and it's when um lampy 
has just seen Pete and Elliot in town. And then he runs back into the pub. And he's like, there's a dragon. There's a dragon. And all the other people in the bar are like, oh, yeah, there's a dragon. You're drunk. We get it. There's there's totally a dragon. <laughs> you could tell this wasn't the first time he'd come back thinking something like that. Uh. Yep. Yeah, the town was definitely used to Lampy being, shall we say, three sheets to the wind to keep the nautical theme. <laughs> but he does manage to sing a song, too. He does. He does manage to sing a song. And it's a wonderful song. One of my favorites in the whole movie. Oh, I, I, I love that song, too. And then Helen Reddy is, gets introduced as Nora in this during this song. So you, that's when she pops it in the movie. And the, mm -hmm. everybody in the tavern, you got is the chorus. And it's just, for those that love musicals, you're going to love this movie because they got some great musical numbers with everything going. And it's, it's just, this number is one of them. Yeah, you got everything from barrel rollers to headstanders to people doing acrobats. Yeah. It's got a little bit of yeah, everything. Yeah, that's definitely one of the big, one of the big production pieces. All they were missing that was and some juggling. Maquati. Yes, Pass and Maquati. That's such a good one. Really, with me, the soundtrack. I enjoy. I enjoy every song, and and, and a lot of the songs are some of my favorite songs in any musical but i mean that's that's there's I, there's no song in here that i would not would not listen to again some of them like brazzle dazzle day um candle on the water i mean it, the, the the musical score the music the songs by al kasha and joel hirshhorn is just really really good and if anybody gets the dvd copy one of the things on the dvd is some alternate versions of the song before they got redid or redone because they weren't mm -hmm. quality enough and I listened to them and I was thinking I'm glad they switched that song because they really improved <laughs> the song with the changes that they did and Brazzle Dazzle there was one song that was different I don't know if anybody else got listened to the DVD yeah now now that you say that I do remember listening to those sample tracks and they are you're right they're very different in some cases and can you think of any of them that you you would rather have than the one they ended up with in the movie? I haven't listened to them recently enough, to be honest. Speaking about Al Kasha and Joel Hirshhorn, um, they are Oscar winners. They're an Oscar-winning songwriting duo. They actually did two of the largest disaster adventure movies of the 70s, The Poseidon Adventure and The Towering Inferno. And apparently, Candle on the Water is a little bit of a tribute to those two movies. <laughs> <laughs> and Candle on the Water... And that, that was... I was going to say, Candle on the Water ahead. was nominated for an Oscar, did not win, but it was, it was an Oscar-nominated song from the movie. Yes, and it also reached uh, number 27 on the adult contemporary charts at the time. I remember hearing it on the radio quite a bit. Of all the songs from this movie, I didn't expect that one to be the really successful one. Which one did you expect to be the really successful one, Ben? Either like every little piece or the one Mickey Rooney sings yeah, about the dragon or Brazzle Dazzle Day. Like 
most of the other songs I would have expected more than that one. I think Candle on the Water was the one that was the most sounded most like something you would hear on the radio. Plus it had Helen Reddy, who I believe was already fairly well known in the music world. But I, I agree with you, Ben. The songs you mentioned are objectively maybe a little bit better of songs. I think one of the reasons these songs probably didn't get released is because they have long spots of instrumentals because of the it's a musical, so people are doing the dancing and stuff like that, and that probably they're worried about not translating well to radio, where Candle in the Water was like a pop standard type song where you could take the whole song mm-hmm. and port it right out with just very minor um, changes to it. So, um, But they did Disney did release um, an, an album with, I think, three or four songs on it with different some people, different people singing the songs that they tried to make into a pop thing. It didn't really do well, <laughs> but it, I remember listening to some of those and they are, it's that you have different people singing the songs than that you're used to. And I think that it kind of reminds me of um, Beauty and the Beast from 1991, where the song Beauty and the Beast sung by Angela Lansbury is so much better than the one that was released onto the radio. Exactly. And Disney did that quite a bit throughout the 90s. And apparently as far back as the 70s, now that we're talking Pete's Dragon. Yeah, and I think I think part of it was because this way you can get people that are in the sessions. And, and really, you look at it like Sean Marshall plays Pete. Well, if you pick a song that he's the lead singer on, you can get a professional singer or you can have a person who's doing his first movie. He never acted before. This was his first everything. And, you know, as a company, you're thinking, oh, let's move this and try to see if we can get this um, into a better thing. And I enjoyed I enjoyed Sean Marshall. I think he did a good job as Pete. He had that natural look to him. Um, I was able to hear him talk in one of the special features. And he said the reason he got the one of the reasons he got the role was because they wanted somebody that was not a professional actor. That was natural, more natural. Mm -hmm. And when he was doing his screen test, they had this camera or not camera but a light and it was a certain type of light that they have to use because of when they put Elliot in later on or whatever and it was making and the way he had to look up through the sight line it was making him tear up and it was the part of the movie where he was showing where they're supposed to be Elliot's telling him he's going to go away and he's supposed Aww. to cry and, and, the, and the director or the casting director came up to him and said oh you're, you're the first one that looks so emotional so into it and it, and he's like oh yeah thank you but the whole time it was because of the light in his <laughs> eye <laughs> whatever it takes to get the role yep it wasn't his first film though well that's what he said i'm just going by what the guy said himself <laughs> oh he had done he had done like i think he was in the deadly trackers in 1973 and he had done some tv stuff before that but well you have to remember and when he probably cast it for this because of the animation they might have filmed this a few years prior to release so this could have been well, this was like four years before yeah I'm, but i'm saying it was when he when he did the screen test this 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 took several years this was many years in production but he was a child actor so i mean you, can't, you might not remember everything <laughs> yeah. exactly but nora i know helen reddy you brought up that she'd moved the plot along and that maybe because i had a different perspective i saw it did tracy did you see this in the theater when it came out or did you see it later on I saw it when the theater, when it came out, I saw it in my tiny little hometown theater that maybe sat maybe 150 people. 
so yeah, I I remember seeing it when I was that age, and I've of course seen it multiple times since. I remember my dad taking me to see it when I was nine years old, a little over nine, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Nora just always the, the way Kellen Reddy played it was always a character I enjoyed, and I think when you, when we look at films, she is such a strong character. Because she literally will fight for Pete, you know, as she sings later on when the Gogans try to pick her, take him. She is she's a no nonsense person, and I think it, it was really nice to see this this portrayal done by Helen Reddy, who, as we know, like um, from her song history and, her, and all of her background, um, mm-hmm. it, it, this really seemed to fit naturally with her. Yeah, and I I guess I could, should kind of take that back. I like the character of Nora very much. I'm not sure that Helen Reddy did that character 100% justice. Um, she's, she's more, to my mind, she's more of a singer than an actress. I'll put it that way. Oh, and I can see that. You know, just definitely when you have a singer, you're going to lose something in the nuance that a professional actor would bring. But then again, being a musical, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that, it's the catch 22. How many times do you get the best of both worlds? And, you know, I think, I think she did. A, a, a solid job acting yeah. and but but obviously excelled at the singing of these songs exactly now we've mentioned them several times but do you guys want to talk about the grogans okay before we get to that can i throw something in about helen redding i feel like when the parts where she was like singing and acting so like in brazzle dazzle day I feel like her acting improved while she was singing um, mm-hmm. more so than like in uh, what was it the beginning when she went into the pub to like get her dad. It just kind of seemed like she was there to get him. And then when they started singing, she kind of seemed more into it and everything. Yeah. Now that you say that, I I definitely agree with that observation that she when she's singing she's got more personality shining through and that kind of takes a step back when it's just a scene where she's acting with the other characters mm-hmm. and she definitely has more confidence i think in herself because now she's in her element and is really able right. to shine and mm-hmm. and i think like i think for her being in a musical i think that's works wonders where if it would have been a, a non-musical uh, it, right. it, with this could be a different ending for her. <laughs> different, not different. It would not be her type of movie. Agreed. So Ben, you wanted to talk a little about the Grogans. Yeah, they were hilarious. I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought about them, but I found them incredibly funny. Shelley Winters. What can you say about her? I mean, she plays the the, the matriarch of the family. She is the, um, they're, they're, the, they're the other villains besides Dr. Termius. They're introduced right off the bat with such a, such a happy song to start off the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. Until you start listening to the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I wanted to mention. All the villains in this movie have really upbeat songs. Like, they're yeah. really catchy, too. <laughs> so it's like you, you want to hear the villains sing more than the protagonists at times. Happiest home in these hills. I mean, it, it is it, it is a great opening number to start the movie, and they come out to, swinging. They come out swinging, dirty, <laughs> grimy, literally. 
Yep. <laughs> and they get dirtier as the as the song goes on. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you might say they're a little bit stuck in the mud. <laughs> they must have left that mud on them when they rolled back into town because you could see like every time they moved quick, you could just see the dust flying off of them. <laughs> it was kind of. It would be interesting. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they filmed those two scenes almost back to back. Now that you say that, it'd be, it'd be interesting if they waited a few days just to let their costumes get even. You know, let let the mud just <laughs> cake in and grungier. Like, yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> But Shelly Winters, I mean, you talk about disaster movies. You said the Poseidon Adventure. That was one of her big films. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. She was also, if I remember, it was a Big Mama where she played in a, an exploitation movie. It, 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 to me, it's always interesting because a lot of times I think we associate her with acting. And here she gets to show she can sing, she can dance, she can do it all. And Right. And I hear there's a person I know. We have an episode coming out right after this. Rusty Gilligan, who was a child actor on the set, and he said that Shelley Winters was just so nice and kind to every all the children there. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so not only did you know did she come off the way at least at least they were, she was really nice to the child actors. I don't know what she's like in real life, but she came off across as the villain and that 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 nice comedic thing. And it's just it's I don't know, it's just to me great. What do you think, Mikhail? Because I know you like that song so much the happiest home in these hills in these hills yeah. <laughs> i don't know i like the song i think it's a great opening number um and like the first time you watch the movie at first you're kind of like oh see here they are they're coming out here trying to find this kid and how look how nice they're singing him a song and then you you start to listen to it more and you're like oh Time to a railroad tracks. Yeah. yeah they're, they're saying they're going to saw him in half. Oh, now they're going to roast him. Gently so the flames don't hurt. <laughs> well, they don't sound so nice after all. No, not at all. And the, the rest of the family, uh, Merle, Grover, and Willie, played by Charles Tyner, Gary Morgan, and Jeff Conaway. Oh, Jeff Conaway. I think, Trace, you wanted to talk about him. So I'll let you, I'll let you steal Mr. Conaway from us. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, he he may or may not have been one of my teenage crushes. Uh, I know him best from Greece, where he played Kanicki. And he was also in a short-lived fantasy spoof series that I adored in the 80s called Wizards and Warriors. But before that, he also was known for his role on TV in, in Taxi. So Looking at his uh, filmography, Pete Dragon was one of his earlier roles. He'd been in three movies previous to that, and it's not a big role for him. You know, he shows up at the beginning and at the end, but it's it's a, it looked like he was having fun with that. It looked like all the Grogans, the actors playing the Grogans, were having a lot of fun with their roles. Yeah, and Ben, I think you said something earlier when we were watching the movie about the Grogans that you wanted to mention. Yeah, they're very acrobatic. Like the one kept standing on his head or doing headstands during their scenes and the other one mm-hmm. was oh, uh, what did he do? Doing doing like the tumbling. Yeah, that was Jeff Conaway and um, Gary Morgan. Gary Morgan's also a stuntman. 
and um, for, for ah. both his, most of his career. So that's you get Jeff Conaway as that dancing background, stage background, and then you get the stuntman been mm-hmm. there. They can really do and, and and the timing that they had. I don't know how long it took him to do certain scenes. Whether they got on a one take or how many takes it took him to get, but the synchronization of the two doing those different moves was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of synchronization, all the work that the actors had to do in scenes with Elliot is amazing. Considering the technology of the time, and this wasn't Disney's first live-action animation combination, but it's one of the best examples up to that time, I think. I think so, too. It definitely and shows I, the growth of their technology. Mm-hmm. They also made Elliot a lot more interactive than I think they had in the past when, like, um, Pete was sitting on his stomach and throwing apples into Elliot's mouth and Elliot was catching them. Yes, and I love trying to watch for the exact moment when the real apple became animated. I remember in the DVD, the bonus features, the Sean... Marshall was talking about the, how they did the filming and how they put Elliot in. That was his big thing where he was talking about Disney's animation style. He was the one narrating it. And they showed the footage of him in the studio, you know, on sitting on this like ladder type thing. And there's somebody there with a basket and he's tossing and there's a guy walking around with his basket catching the apples, you know, and it's it's just so funny because he's doing these tosses and there's no Elliot there. And he's, he's got to make sure to go to a certain (laughs) spot. And then the guy's there catching him with the basket. It's, it's a, it's, it's amazing how Hollywood can do these things and get everybody to believe in these fantasy things. I think that's why a lot of us, all of us here like going to the movies is that, that make believe, and, and it's sometimes it's so cool to see how they pull it off. Yeah, exactly. The scene where they're trying to capture Elliot, again, how did they fill out the net to represent Elliot? You know, I'd, I'd love to get, I wish we got more behind the scenes material like what you just described. I, I would, I would be curious too, like how did they pull that off? Because that is just something, the nets drop. Well, of course you have your, primary net your secondary net and the tertiary mm-hmm. <laughs> can't forget the tertiary can't forget the tertiary that movie led me to find out what tertiary meant you know because i heard that when i was nine years old I'm like what in the world is tertiary <laughs> is that a real word <laughs> movies can be educational yeah and i looked it up and i was like oh because my dad's like oh, look up and we get home to the dictionary yes kids we used to look things up in the dictionary back in the day you know you didn't have phones where you could just pop it in look it up right when you're there you had to wait till you got home and remember it and there was no spell check so sometimes it took a little while how do you spell tertiary there's s in there somewhere isn't there (laughs) but somehow we made it through Mm -hmm. oh but yeah i wish there would be more about how how they pulled off some of the elliot things Um, i got the dvd version i don't know if the blu-ray has more information on that or not or if, or if i got the same amount uh, let me take a look if it talks to me about what the special features are on the home media i do know for listeners that are wondering be careful when you buy pete's dragon to make sure you get the two hour and eight minute version because there are some pete's dragon dvds or blu-rays out there that don't have the two hour eight minutes it's less exactly yeah, yeah there's in fact 
there was one release when it um, was brought back to the theaters in 1984. It was actually shortened down to only 104 minutes. So it'll be interesting to get figure out what they cut. That, that is a lot of cutting. <laughs> yeah, so 100. Yeah, that's a half hour of movie that they cut from its original roadshow theatrical version down to the skinny mini version. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Just be be careful. I know the Disney Plus version is two hours and eight minutes, so it's the same as the DVD. So if you have Disney Plus, as soon as this episode's over, watch this movie. You know, I already said it's my favorite Disney movie of all time, so you know where I'm going later on with recommendations. I mean, it's pretty much a <laughs> foregone conclusion, but you don't know what everybody else is going to go with. But I'm saying it's out there, readily available. You know, um, and yep. if you don't have Disney Plus, do the trial and then watch bunch of stuff that you want to watch and then if you don't like it you can stop the trial or you can continue on that's the version we watched most recently prepping for this um, episode what I thought was interesting was there was a little warning at the beginning that about tobacco depictions mm -hmm. there was nothing at all about depictions of alcohol consumption Yeah, which is huge in this movie i mean lampy i don't honestly don't know if he had a sober moment he did he, he did when he was at the lighthouse he a frazzle dazzle day he was that's true like recovering that's from true. his hangover. and also when the um bill, was it bill of sale number when they come at the end of frazzle dazzle day yeah. when, when they encounter um the grogan's at the um, the dock he's sober there but but hoagie and lampy definitely partake of the adult beverage. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so the Lampy's portrayal is something that probably wouldn't be presented that way today. Yeah, very well beaten. And speaking of Lampy, Mickey Rooney. I mean, what? Ben, talk about it. it. You love Mickey Rooney. I'll let you. Yes, I love Mickey Rooney so much, I only know two movies that he's in. Um, <laughs> 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 I really liked him in this movie, though. Um, the other movie that I'm talking about is It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, um, in which he also played a kind of similar character <laughs> in some ways. Uh, in that movie, he played an also, like, sometimes drinking alcoholic beverages, not as much as Lampy, but mostly making, um, Jim, I forgot his last name. Bacchus. Jim Bacchus, his drinks, because he's the trunk in that movie. In this movie, he's just the mayor who smokes cigars and falls on his face all the time. Uh, um, yeah, it's interesting to see the crossover from a mad, 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 mad world and Peach Dragon. There's actually several. Well, to be fair, it's a mad, 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 mad world had just about everybody in it <laughs> from the Hollywood world at the time. And, and give Jim Backus some credit. He never smoked a cigar. He always had it in his mouth because they're using it as a prop to show the damage that he was getting inflicted with the smashed cigar. So that was kind of a um, a <laughs> setup. Every time they showed him, he had a, this big stogie, and every time it got destroyed. Mm. And it was it was an ongoing gag. And, and, and Jim Backus is only in the film as the mayor for, if you add it all up, maybe just a couple of minutes, a few minutes at the most. And But still... Mm -hmm. Mr. Howe. I mean, you got to just, you know, it's, it's he's always funny. Yeah, and I love the way that they brought in minor characters like that. You know, we talked about Shelley Winters. We talked about Jim, ba um, they said Jim Backus. We talked about Red Buttons. 
So they're in minor roles, but they definitely make the most of what they're given. And Mickey Rooney, just to give people more background, Boys Town. Um, many movies with Judy Garland that were musicals. Let's put on a show. I mean, he's he was a child actor. All, he acted all the way up until basically when he passed away. He was in Babe 2, Pig in the City. I mean, Mickey, Mickey I don't know why Ben's laughing. <laughs> it's just a fun title, Babe 2, Pig in the City. Well, that's the title, you know, and uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't help, you know, they name it what they name it. And uh, but he's also in Black Stallion. I mean, he's in so many different movies. I, I, he's, he's got one of those credit lists that are that, is, that are as long as the dictionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing how his career went. And yeah. And Rusty Gilligan told me that they all loved him, you know, that Mickey Rooney would mm-hmm. let the kids sit on his lap all that stuff you talk to them all he was like he was like their grandfather to everybody you know and that kind of stuff and it was just That's amazing how nice he was yeah his, his uh career spanned nine decades and he was in over 300 films yeah he also he really sold playing like the kind of lovable old man type role in this movie really really well oh yeah almost in spite of him playing also a drunk character it was like there was almost two different lampies the one that was at the as he called it hardware store drinking and the (laughs) one that was at the lighthouse trying to be a good role model for pete and trying Mm -hmm. to do his best for nora and i love yeah i'm sorry go go tracy I was just going to say they do give him a little bit more depth than just the lovable lush character. And I do appreciate that. And I love how when Pete, when he finds that Pete's in the lighthouse and he goes to him and, 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 and Nora comes up and says, oh, yeah, he's going to be staying with me. He goes, goes, that's fine. But the dragon cannot stay here. And, and he makes up this lighthouse regulation <laughs> off the top. He has to stay in the cave. In the cave. And then Nora goes to him after Pete walks up. Oh, Pop, that's so great how you're just, you know, being nice to Pete about that. Goes, no, there is a dragon. I saw the dragon. <laughs> if you went down there and looked in the cave, you'd see the dragon too in your eyes. Which right out of your head. And that was another nice piece of this movie is the way that Nora's interacted with Pete. She didn't try to tell him no, you're making this all up. You know, she listened to him talk about Elliot and accepted that this is, Pete was going through something. You know, she obviously knew that he was in trouble, but she accepted that, okay, this is how this kid is dealing with his trauma by inventing this invisible friend. And and this is a movie that covers really child abuse i mean he comes from a house that's abusing him she finds bruises mm-hmm. and marks on him and they talk about it and it's it's there and how pete so in her mind this might be his coping mechanism and that kind of stuff to go through it and right but it is it, it does tackle really could be a serious issue mm-hmm. the director don chapey did an excellent job when you deal with all the stuff he had to deal with you know you're dealing with 
live action. You're dealing with animation that's going to come up later on, you know, where people have to get the sight lines and all that stuff down. And then you have all these child actors. There was a whole bunch of children in this movie. <laughs> yes. You, you got to give him credit for pulling it off. I mean, it's just, and the cinematographer, Frank Phillips, it's the way they filmed the things and then cut the scenes because they filmed this in California, but they filmed other footage on the East coast and then they used it. They, they, they sliced it in. So you would think mm -hmm. that's where they were, but actually again, movie magic, they were over at a totally different place. It was really well done. I don't know if you guys have anything you would talk about with um, other characters or other actors. I think the only person we didn't mention was the voice of Elliot. Yeah, and we're going back to another uh, staple from vaudeville and early movies with Charlie Callis. I'll admit I don't know a whole lot about his career other than he's known for doing silly voices. And, and he did an excellent job. I mean, it's just it's, it's hard to picture Elliot with a different type of voice, you know, and mm -hmm. all that stuff going on. Yeah, it, even though he's speaking total gibberish, you still got the emotion. You still got a sense of the meaning behind what he was communicating with Pete. Yeah, and even in the song, it was kind of cool how they either edited it so that, or he did it so that the same noise that he made lined up with the i love you that pete would sing so it was yep. like it was like oh mm -hmm. the, these noises actually do have this meaning <laughs> i thought that was kind of cool or well thought out yep and i don't know if that was the songwriters or if that was charlie callis himself that'd be interesting to find out it would be i mean i, I do think some of the some of the songs maybe a lot of the songs i don't know were i think they were singing it live but i don't think they were recording the songs live during the things a lot of them i think were done prior right. or in post because i do know mm -hmm. the one that shows out the, the, the most is i saw a dragon when it starts off mickey rooney's mouth and the song are not matching up for the first few seconds and then it's <laughs> it's it's like then susie gets patted on the back it seems like like within a second two after that it kicks in where it matches it gets back in sync yeah that uh a lot of the songs that the um the Grogan sing don't really match up with all of their mouths because it's four people trying to move at the same time. So it doesn't always match up with the song. So it's definitely, it's something that they did in like a sound stage, but they did that a lot, mm -hmm. like a lot. And then lip sync. Yeah. And I think that's oh, what yeah. the song, I love you with, with Charlie Callis and Sean Marshall probably singing that song that they're in the same booth area together. So they're able to get that synchronization for vocally. And then, the animation, you know, they made sure it played out, or maybe they did it after. I don't know. Maybe they were looking at it. It's hard to say, but I think they did that either prior or in post, and that's how they got the um, the things to work well together. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm speculating because there was no behind the scenes features on that, and you know, it's a, I don't have to listen to the commentary track to find out if there is. I'm trying to think is is there was there a commentary track, Tracy? Do you remember? I do not remember offhand. Now, on a different note, this is, something, like. this is something that's not as related to the movie, but I thought that it was kind of cool how Sean Marshall, who played Pete, went on from a movie where he was basically becoming the adoptive child of people that ran a lighthouse to actually work in a maritime-related field 
where he was in the naval reserves and he went to college for it was like maritime ship management or something i thought that was kind of cool how it's like that's almost kind of what he did with his life makes you kind of wonder if that was the kind of an influence yeah, yeah it's being in the movie and being around the that environment kind of sparked something in him. Yeah, and looking at his other credits, he did another film where it was, or another a miniseries where it was related a lot to like fishing and being in the water. The uh, huh. Mackenzie's of Paradise Cove, which took place in like Hawaii, and it was kind of like orphans that were being raised by fishermen or trying to get the fishermen to be their guardian or whatever. So it's kind of similar in a lot of ways to this one. Just without the giant animated hmm. dragon. <laughs> I have to say, Elliot is probably one of my favorite Disney dragons. Like, out of all of the Disney dragons. I think he's probably my favorite. You know, he looks really similar in design to Figment, too. Uh, he's just bigger and green. But, mm-hmm. like, shape-wise, they're very similar. Yeah, I, I'm i trying to remember when we've talked about Figment before if the animators took any inspiration from Pete's Dragon on him. I know, we've t- I know Scott and I have talked about doing a Disney Dragons-themed episode, so we might have to dig into that. that. That would actually be a really good Halloween episode. I also have yeah. to say, Pete Dragon Stay in this, <laughs> <laughs> Elliot in this looks completely different from CGI Elliot in the yeah. remake. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I'm... they made him look much more like a traditional Western civilization type dragon, or like like a Game of Thrones type dragon. Yeah, I was going to say, I've only seen the trailer for that movie. I didn't know if you had seen the remake or not. Yeah, we actually covered it in one of our episodes. I can tell you which one here in a moment. And when you're looking it up, what did you think? Of, I haven't seen the, the remake either, Tracy. I don't think Mikhail has. Nope. So so what was your opinion since you're the only one who's seen the remake? Um, It didn't compare to the original but it was it was a fun watch. I like Car- Carl Urban was one of the main characters in it, and I kind of like him. So give me just a second. Uh, do you remember if they did that one as a musical too, or if they did it as just like a a regular film? It was just a regular film. Oh, that's disappointing. That's probably what made this movie work the most was all the musical numbers because they made it a lot more lively than just a regular film and i think if i remember the trailer right and when i read about the reviews of it when it came out is what i thought was a good idea of them having not seen it is that it doesn't remake this pete's dragon it just takes place with another child in need and that story so i think it's just it's like the continuing adventures of elliot and i think that was a smart play if that if if, if mm-hmm. the review if i read correctly in the reviews and everything yeah, we covered it back. I, I forgot the movie was just old. We covered it back in August of 2016, and in episode 213. And if I look at what our review, our particular comments were, 
Scott wasn't sure he even wanted to go see it because he's, again, a big fan of Peach Dragon. I'm sorry he wasn't able to join us here today. Um, we both liked it. But, yeah, it's a very different movie than this version. Yeah, I think that's... I think I speak for all three of us when saying that's kind of why we didn't watch it because we didn't want to... We are such big fans of this version of Peach Dragon... We didn't want to see another version that just, like, tarnished our remembrance of Peach Dragon. At least for me. I don't think I don't think if a, a redo, well, not a redo, but I look at this as, like I said, possibly a continuation, but done differently. Um, and since it's not a musical, uh, I don't think that's going to tarnish this one because this one's always going to be there for me. You know, I, I look at it when a sequel comes out, like, if it's a movie you didn't care for, you don't have to watch that one again. You could still watch the ones right. you like and enjoy. Um, just like with songs that are redone, you know, you, if you don't like how somebody else did that rendition, that's fine. But then again, sometimes it's, it takes it to a different place and you enjoy both equally. Like um, movies, True Grit, the John Wayne version and the Jeff Bridges version. I know Ben and I differ on this. I enjoy both pretty much equally almost. Maybe the, I put the John Wayne on a notch ahead just because it's like such a, john wayne star vehicle but i enjoy both very well and i know mm -hmm. ben your opinion on that is <laughs> my opinion is that jeff bridges shouldn't have done the movie <laughs> um, i like the john wayne one a lot more and i like jeff bridges in other things i just i didn't like right. him in that movie yeah and that's what i mean it's so I, I don't mind when people redo certain things or try to do it because i know some people are like oh that's a classic it should always be that way but to be honest there's a you know my children are a little different than a lot of people this that age group where they don't want to go to see something that came out in the 60s or the 70s or anything earlier and that they just want to see stuff that's come out in the last 20 30 years and if you have a mm -hmm. movie that is um 50 years old 40 years old 60 years old whatever it's sometimes nice that it's remade you know so people can see it and then if they enjoy it there's a good chance they might a lot of the reviews will say oh this is a remake of this one then they might because of streaming and everything if it's out there seek out the original and then they can compare and contrast it so i look at it as a chance for people to see the older classic that might not normally have seen it because it's it's not being made for me who enjoyed the original it's being made for the newer crop of people well it's it's kind of like exactly. it's like when you read a book that a movie's based off of after you watch the movie where you think it's in your mind, the characters are the way they are in the movie or in the book, vice versa, like whichever one you read first. It's like, that's how this should be. And then and sometimes they change it drastically. And then it's like, oh, that's this isn't good. Even though the movie might actually be better made, it's just your original impression of the characters, the same as from the original film or book. So it just doesn't feel right when you're watching that other film mm -hmm. or reading that book it's kind of i guess that's kind and, of what disney's trying to do with remaking a lot of their old movies now anyway or making live action versions of or cgi versions of animated films where they're trying to draw in the new mm -hmm. crowd of younger people and then maybe get them to watch the old ones again but a lot of people mm -hmm. that were like that original one was my childhood i don't want to see the remake mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the approach Disney took better with something like the 2016 Peach Dragon or the recent Dumbo film, where they're not retelling the same story beat for beat for beat. 
that's one reason we didn't go see the recent version of Lion King. We didn't go see the recent version of Aladdin. They were telling, in essence, the exact same story. And it's like, I know that story. I don't need another version of it. But if you can tell me something different about these characters I already know, I'm a little more open to that. You know, when we did our review of the 2016 Peach Dragon, you know, Scott, again, who is a huge fan of the original Peach Dragon, says, if you're a fan of the original film, don't be scared of this new version. It's not a remake, and the original will still be in your collection after you leave the theater. I think I look at it as a chance that Disney had a missed opportunity. Instead of calling it Pete's Dragon, they probably should have called it, like, Elliot the Dragon. And then that way they could have a different child named as, like, he's going to go help. Because the, mm-hmm. the whole premise of the first movie sets up for Elliot's story to continue. And Right. And, it, and actually it could work as a Disney Plus series. You know, basically it, it could be it, it, one season each time. It could be a child he's helping mm-hmm. or it could be... Like like certain arcs, like a few episode arc, he's with one child, then he goes to help another child. It really could lend itself to a franchise of its own, and and the children. Right. What happens? Some of them could be a comedic. Some of them could be more dramatic. Some of them could be mm-hmm. sci sci fi. I mean, it's it's almost endless with the possibilities that they could do with Elliot. Exactly. Yeah. Again, looking back at our our notes on the twenty sixteen film, Bryce Dallas Howard, who played kind of sort of the Nora role in the film, said, one of my favorite things ever is when after screening of our film, I'm talking with kids, they ask, what's Elliot like and where is he now? So the kids are are definitely playing into that whole Elliot's, you know, like you said, Elliot's moved on. He's finding another kid to help somewhere out there. And I think there's a lot of children that sadly are going through families or situations where this 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 type of movie and this character would renaissance would resonate with and they'll just enjoy it so much you know and, and that kind of thing where they could say oh elliot could come to me and you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like with spider-man as a character because he always wears a mask that and unless you knew he was peter parker or miles morales depending on which version you're following a lot of people can associate, <laughs> I could be Spider-Man, you know, because of all you see is the mask and the character. And I think that's one of the lasting legacies of certain characters is that people can, when they're young, can think of themselves as being that role or being helped by that person. Exactly. Well, that Stan Lee said that's one of the reasons he designed, you know, he and his team created Spider-Man is to make him just another guy who happens to have these superpowers. You know, he still struggled to pay the rent. He still had a boss he didn't care for. <laughs> now, to get back to Pete's Dragon, the 1977 version, um, let's do a round of thing about what, what we think is one of our favorite songs. And we'll start with you, Tracy. And then as it goes through, we cannot duplicate what the prior person had said. So we'll go Tracy, Ben, Michaela, and then myself. And that way we could talk about what ended up being like four of our group favorites. But Tracy, you get you get the the whole board is available to you, which I don't know is good or bad. <laughs> having all of them. Well, like I said, I think I already made mine clear. Is I'm I'm going to go ahead and steal every little piece. 
Every little piece, every little piece. I can take a scissor and clip him up, rip him up. Every little part is a work of art. Think of what a dragon heart would bring. Wrapped up in a ribbon and a string. Dragon liver can cure a cold. Dragon powder grows hair. With dragon blood, you'll never grow old. Every item is covered with gold. Every item is covered with gold. Just because at the patter style of the song appeals to me and just the the whole just the way Jim Dale and Red Buttons played it was they were so excited about all the things that they could do and how peak you know how Elliot could make their dreams come true finally they wouldn't have to go with their little beat up wagon from town to town to town with has no horses not stopping to think that they had to kill a dragon to do all this I think my favorite song is the first one that the Grogans sing, um, Happiest Home in These Hills. I think that's the title, full title. Yeah, it's just, it It basically tells you exactly what the movie's going to be about right in the beginning and exactly what kind of people they are right from the start, where they'll have that mm-hmm. two-facedness where whenever somebody from the government's around, they're these happy, smiling people. I'll cook you cake and gingerbread, bring you tea in bed on a tray. We'll slave while you go fishing, you'll get permission to run and play. These tears ought to show you I care, come back. By cracky, we'll share the happiest home in these hills, in these hills. And as soon as they go away, they're going to treat this poor orphan kid that they adopted like a slave and just abuse him. Gonna snag him, gag him, drag him through town, put his head in the river, let the pup drown, trap him, strap him, wrap him in a sack, yeah, tie him screaming to a railroad track. (laughs) And it kind of, it gives you their whole character all four of them in a, a little nutshell. That's what I love about musicals. You can they can do a lot with just one song, and if you have the acting to go with it, like the four of them did, it really sells it. Mm-hmm. That song was kind of the perfect opening to set up the entire rest of the film. It's like when in the Masked Singer, the Donny Osmond did the greatest show as the first song in the first season. It kind of like set up the whole season. This set up the whole movie really really well i have to say my favorite song is probably i saw the dragon but (laughs) it's it's just so like it sets up mickey rooney's character and it kind of sets up like nobody else is really gonna believe besides mickey rooney and pete that elliot's real a dragon, a dragon, I swear I saw a dragon. His tail lashing, he'll be smashing every shop in town. With scaly feet, he'll crack the street and tear the steeple down. It's not some loony dream, I heard a scream from Sheriff Brown. It's true, it's true, oh what are we to do? 
it's true, it's true. Nobody, nobody mm-hmm. else is going to really take it seriously, but they're kind of going to play along with it just because they think he's not real. And I don't know. I think it it's a great movie. It's a fun, a great, it's a great song. Um, mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it also sets up um, Nora's character at the beginning too. You know, the tough, no nonsense, got to keep my eye on my dad, you know, got to keep him, you know, out of trouble. Well, it's kind of wet. I went fourth, and I'm still able to keep my number one right there. Brazzle Dazzle Day. song you're back into your happy place it's it's just it's just such a nice song to go through and just to to bring a smile to your face and a lot of these songs do that i think that's i think every song we talked about does bring a smile to your face in a weird way because like like the happiest the happiest home in these hills is about villains it's a villain song every little piece is a villain song but they're happy villain songs with with weird (laughs) messages with them but it's just kind of they're upbeat. It's it's really kind of hard mm-hmm. to put it without. Uh, if you have, listeners, if you haven't seen these, you, and again, we recommend the movie. But if you if you don't have time to see the movie, at least go on YouTube and put Pete's Dragon 1977 songs, and you could see all the songs that are performed in mm-hmm. the film and get that idea because it's right there. I mean, I think every one of the songs has a clip. But Brazzle Dazzle Day is is has always been one of my favorites, and every so often I'll just be going around if I'm singing to myself if i'm doing housework or whatever i'll just be singing it's a brazzle dazzle day you know and just going through the stuff it makes it makes cleaning up a little bit easier a little bit more fun to do and if i can put it in kind of a little bit of a runner-up i also really like it's not easy that's probably my second favorite as well yeah which as it's presented in the movie, is all about Pete's friendship with Elliot. But it's true of lots of different kinds of relationships. It's true of a romantic relationship as well as a friendship. It's not easy to find someone who cares. It's not easy to find magic in marriage. And it's just, it's, it's a sweet song and it's kind of a true song as well and the, the, I agree with you and another song that's very similar to that is there's room for everybody in this world you mm-hmm. know and, and that kind of thing it's just there's, there's so many good songs <laughs> on, this, on this movie it's amazing but that was another one it just it very it touches with people it's like well, we don't have room for this or this person's causing that and, and it just touches on that and it's still a, a song that's appropriate today as it was when it came out so it's, it's, it's a very right. well-written song, well-performed, and it's just 
it just fits. And of course, that one's talking about Pete and the dragon because the townspeople associate that Pete with the fishing going bad. And it just shows how people can be superstitious and and how, mm-hmm. how they can be misled with information. I'll leave it there. I think I think it still shows up timeless. <laughs> you have a very good point there. So is there anything anybody wanted that like they either didn't care for in the film or would have liked to be changed? That's sacrilege, Ben. Sacrilege. Okay, well, we do this for like every movie. I'm... I'll let you three talk about it. To me, that's sacrilege. <laughs> well, like I said earlier, um, Lampy's alcoholism being played for laughs is something that would be a lot harder to sell in the movie today. You know, I, I just, it was a little cringy in some ways for me. It's like, yeah, this is this is not not PC anymore. They'd have to find some other way of making him an eccentric that couldn't quite be believed. And I don't remember. I'd have to go back and either reread the plot summary of the 2016 Peach Dragon or rewatch the movie to see how they kind of dealt with that. Well, I mean, they could always done it like, who believes that old coot that lives in the lighthouse and doesn't come out to town often anyway? They could have True. always played it like that, like he's the old crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Almost like an, um, uh, this isn't a Disney film, but in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, how the, I guess it was the grandfather or whatever, the guy who lived in the shack next to the main character's house, how he was uh-huh. eccentric and lived in a very specific way and like no one really took him too seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. You guys have anything else that Ben said that you would have thought that could have been changed or, or improved upon? Not really for me. And I think what Tracy's talking about is more if you're updating the film for nowadays audience and, um, right. and, and that just shows you the movie came out in 1977. So it was, that was 44 years ago and you know and, and, and things change in that time span i remember watching the um, andy griffith show and of course they had otis the town drunk was an ongoing character mm-hmm. throughout and then i remember when they did the reunion show um years later we did the movie where they all came back and otis was no longer the drunk and they had changed because times had changed in that interim right. period. And it just shows you how, you know, which was acceptable at one time is no longer as, as acceptable nowadays. And, and it can be changed. And with writing and good writing, you could make things um, fit a narrative like the same way or better and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But let's go, let's go to your three. Do you, how, how highly do you recommend this movie? And we'll start with Ben and work our way around Tracy and Michaela. Then I'll go last. I definitely recommend this movie. You, you should watch it before you die. Well said, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're about to die, watch this movie over any of the other ones. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd go quite that far, but it is a fond childhood memory for me, and I think I think it stands up, you know, as, as we mentioned, for a movie that's 40-some years old that wasn't intended to be an important movie, a statement movie. I still think it has some useful things to say. And again, the music is glorious. 
uh, if you're not familiar with it, that that to me is is the main element I would recommend is the music. Yeah, I I definitely recommend this movie. It's a great, um, it's a great Disney movie. It's a great musical movie. Um, I think it's good for kids or adults. I mean, if you haven't seen it before, you should watch it. If you're like babysitting your grandkids or something, and you don't know what to do with you yourselves for like whatever, you should watch this movie, and then. You'll have like your grandkids entertained for like the whole rest of the weekend because they'll just want to listen to the songs and dance around and stuff. <laughs> and, and everybody knows I had that's my favorite Disney film. I recommend you get the DVD, the Blu-ray because I my, I think Trace is the same way. If there's certain films you like, you never want to trust streaming. Yes, it's on Disney Plus, but but you never know. 10, 20 years from now, will it still be on Disney Plus? What not? I mean, it's not everything that Disney's done is on Disney Plus. And it's something about it where you could be at a spot where you have no Wi-Fi service and you could still stick the darn thing in and ready to go. But also get the soundtrack. I mean, that way you can play the songs. You can get the MP3 version. You can get the CD version, whatever. And that way you can play it while you're in the car or anything else. You can just let it run um, because all the songs, as, as Tracy said, are, are, are good. Some of them are just great, you know, spectacular songs for musicals. Especially, especially, I think for Disney, I think this is one of the few movies, the musical movies that Disney does, that every single song is solid, or better, you know, because there's only a few, there's only a couple of musicals I can think of. Beauty and the Beast '91, off the top of my head, is another one where like every song is solid, or or great, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's not often that happens with musicals where all the songs are awesome. But also, I want to mention. Um, I saw this movie with my dad, as I said early on, and um, every time I see this movie, I always think of him, and it brings back good memories, you know, you know that Aww. kind of stuff, because when I was recording this, um, 19 years ago, the next day after we recorded is when he passed away. Oh, well, it's good that you have that fond memory of seeing a movie that you love dearly with your family. I've got a couple movies like that as well that I've seen with family members that are no longer with us. So I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, you are. It's just, it's just one of those things. Every time I watch this movie, it's like brings back happy memories. Yeah. And, um, I think that's kind of all we wanted to say about the movie, but as this was a die roll movie, which means we get to roll the dice to see the next movie we're gonna pick but also because dad got to pick two times in a row he is ineligible from picking this next <laughs> go around so ben do you want steven one or steven two steven one okay so if it lands on steven one ben gets to pick if it lands on steven two then i get to pick are you gonna roll the dice first yes okay Okay, so we got Ben 2. Yes. yes. Musical. <laughs> um. Now, Ben, Tracy, pick pick number one or number two. 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 Roll die number two. It's a documentary. Documentary. There are some lovely Disney documentaries that came out on Disney Plus recently. So, Tracy, next time you come on, you can pick a documentary film and... 
we'll watch that and then we can talk about whatever you know you want to on that film so that, that way you got your own Ooh. genre <laughs> <laughs> disney documentaries yeah i can i can think of um i don't know if i can think of any log form oh actually i can i can think of a couple good ones if you don't so, make your decision I'll, right I'll keep now, that so, in my back pocket. Yeah, so let us know which one you're thinking of. You know, and that, like, there's tons of Disney documentaries, but Tracy's not just only Disney, ladies and gentlemen. She actually does watch other things. <laughs> I think I do. I've I've I spend most of every Saturday over on Derek M. Cook's Monster Kid Movie Club stream, where he shows a lot of classic and not so classic monster and horror films that are currently in the public domain and another thing that you do is something that you also on occasion will have up as auctioned items or or, or people can you know um, uh, uh, for for Derek's show but you also do stuffed with character yes i uh i call them your fandom faves in cuddly fleece form so i make little figures they're about eight inches tall based on whatever your favorite fandom characters are. I do a lot of monsters for Derek's uh, stream. I do a lot of Marvel characters for my Marvel friends. I've done Star Trek. I've done Star Wars. I've done a couple Disney figures. So, yeah, if you go over to Facebook and do a search for stuff with character, you can check out my page. And I believe you, you, did, you did a recent one. For the Loki TV series. Yes, I did a Miss Minute. Yes, I'm, I'm looking and forward. I'm looking forward to that because I'm, I'm, I saw it, and I'm, and I'm going to be sending Tracy money so I can have a Miss Minutes. All right, I will get that on the list. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Tracy, for joining us via the magic pixie dust all the way from Disney, Indiana, for our podcast today um hopefully we'll get to record with you again soon and thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the diecast movie podcast uh we hoped you enjoyed it listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it um and stay tuned next time to see which movie we'll pick next it's a brazzle-dazzle day, so throw off the past and everything in it. That's the brazzle-dazzle way, enjoying your time from minute to minute. Running through the sand without your shoes on. Shoes on. Making sure that you don't keep your blues on. Finding a boat we can cruise on. It's a brazzle-dazzle day When you think of love and never of sorrow That's the brazzle-dazzle way To do your work now And take off tomorrow Flying through the air You don't need wings on Wings on Climb right up and feel the thrill it brings on Rock with the wind as it sings on Day. 
a lifetime of joy in just a few hours. All our brazzle-dazzle years have just begun. We'll follow the sun and replay this brazzle-dazzle A lifetime of joy in just a few hours. All our 